Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. This computer has a vast memory capacity. This is not a computer simulation. Most unusual. Are we ready to release our new software? Yes, sir. As requested, it's full of bugs, which means people will be forced to upgrade for years. Outstanding. Good. You've covered all the bases. Computer status report. From this time forward, you will service us. Our priorities seem to have changed. There's no news. Like bad news. Would you mind identifying what you are? Bites. Thanks to Kate Kingsmill for the last three hours with The Distant Sky. She'll be back in three weeks' time. Looking forward to the fill-in next week and then her eventual return. Uh, This is Bite Into It, the return of The Couch Co-op. I should say Bite Into It, comma, The Couch Uh, Co-op. I'm Dan Morganti and joining me is sound engineer, sound virtuoso, Maze Wallen. Is Is that too much? Yeah, I could be a virtuoso. All right, awesome. I'll take that. Awesome. Thank uh, you. <laughs> so, Maze, how was your break? We've had a, a few months break um, over Christmas and summer. Um, yeah. What did you get up to? Play many games? I uh, tell you what, um, you know, I did not. Uh, not a <laughs> pretty normal thing for me. I played a lot of Elder Scrolls Online, as I'm sure you played. A lot of Hunt Showdown. Those are our usual. Yeah. Although not um, as much as you would think. Ah. Yeah. I, uh, and then, um, you know, we're, we're going to release Wayward Strand soon and we're also going to launch a bloody games trade union soon. So um, not a huge break for me, but uh, a lot of love and heart in my break. Yeah, nice. Can, can you <laughs> – because Wayward Strand um, – it looks beautiful. I'm sure it sounds beautiful. I haven't heard anything from it yet. Um, but it does sound beautiful. Yeah, I bet you it does. All, uh, all the sound done by a virtuoso, yeah. so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you just give us a, a quick overview of the game? Ah, I'd be happy to. Um, to listeners, this was not planned at all, um, <laughs> but I'll do that. So in Wayward Strand, you play as 16-year-old Casey Bo Morris. Oh, she's 14. Oops. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's 1978, Australia, um, Inverloch to be precise. 
and your mum is head nurse of a flying hospital ship and she invites you up um, over a summer weekend to hang out and spend time with the oldies on the elderly ward um, and get to know their stories. So a bit of Australiana, a bit of interactive theatre kind of influence, um, a bit of 70s and hyper-local. So, yeah, no, we, we love the game and... Um, Right now we're we're just in amongst doing voiceover recording, um, which has been pretty intense. Yeah. Um, but really exciting. So. Well, yeah. That is that ticks all the boxes of what he, what we want to hear. If you'd like to support <laughs> some um, Australian made and Australian uh, based story wise video games, check out yeah. Wayward Strand. Ah, um, thanks, Dan. No problem. I guess I guess we're going to get on to some news now and going to hear about Wordle, uh, the game that's taking everyone by storm. Are you playing Wordle at the moment, Maze? Oh, uh, mate, there's enough difficulty in my life. I don't need a little daily extra one. Um, uh, but my partner plays it and, yeah. um, and shows me any particularly entertaining um, routes yeah. or, or outcomes or anything. Do you, do you play it? Yeah, I play with Lauren. We, uh, we play it in the morning as we're heading to work and then we Aww. message each other and tell us, tell each other how many turns it took us to get the answer. Oh, that's a bit cute. Yeah, I know. We're, awesome. we're, we're a couple of cuties. Um, <laughs> but Wordle, uh, has been bought by the New York times. Um, so it feels like the first I was hearing about it was New York Times was actually uh, buying it. So uh, I think it went for um, a, f- a few million dollars. I can't recall. Yeah, they've said they've said low seven figures. Yeah, so okay. it could be anything, um, but quite a generous payout. And you know, for game developers and web developers, it's it's pretty cool that a browser based game. Um, has taken the world by storm so much, but also that that um, Mr. Wardle yeah. uh, was able to get a really really great payout from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that's pretty cool. A lot of people um, on my timeline, at least, were saying, "Oh, you know, this is the fourth website of the internet. You know, the internet <laughs> only consisting of three websites currently." Um, <laughs> You know, that actually managed to get people to navigate to a new website on their own without push notifications or anything every day. So pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder what that says about the, like, the the data they're giving because it's also a very minimal design, but I think yeah. every every part of the design is incredibly well-considered and drives you towards wanting to play the next round. I think only being able to play it once a day, um, the like the way they format the keyboard, the way they uh, like mm. cha- do the colour of the letters so you know that that letter goes is part of the word but not doesn't go there. It's um, I think it's just a very tightly designed game and I think that's um, why it's yeah. become so popular. It also feels just really friendly and non-predatory, you know. It's not like you <laughs> yes. pay for another round, which, you know, I reckon if that's one bet I'm willing to have, I reckon New York Times is going to make us pay for another round. Um, Or, you know, they've said they won't put it behind the paywall at this moment, but they probably will in the bloody future. Yeah. So, you know, um, but, you know, yeah. So 
there's, there's lots of developers that are really happy um, that Wardle got a, got a great payout. But at the same time, while games is going through this massive unionization movement, New York Times is uh, not known for being incredibly supportive of unionization. Which we are big um, fans of here, of course. Yeah. And, you know, while game developers are happy, you know, for Mr. Wardle, not mega happy about New York Times entering, you know, further into the games space. Um, one of their huge issues at the moment is that the workers are bargaining for a pretty small sum of 300 grand, which for them, the workers, is the is the equivalent of just an $87 a week pay rise. So it's 300 grand versus low seven figures, so probably multi-millions of dollars. Um, yeah, that's the kind of uh, sour rim um, yeah. to, that, <laughs> to that story. Yeah, um, and it's, yeah. A, it's a drum will keep banging that uh... – you know, the, there's a lot of um, worker neglect in in video games. E- even a a good story about a developer making a good payday, it uh, you know the companies aren't uh, yeah. what do you get eth- ethically conscious most of the time or a lot of the time. Yeah. 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 Um, well, uh, let's move on to some more news. Um, uh, I think that NFTs are a bit of a scam. And uh, massive scam. Absolutely. And so does itch.io. Um, if you've listened to us before, itch.io is one of our favorite video game platforms. You can, um, you can see real creative and inventive work there, often for free, often um, it's a donation. Um, they're, they're one of the ethical gaming companies. We should uh, not lump them all in together. Itch is... Um, uh, really well thought out when it comes to their business model and um, how they support uh, creators. Uh, yeah. And they've released a tweet saying that uh, NFTs are a scam and they won't support games on their platform. What's, uh, what's your takeaway from this, Maze? Uh, just, just glad, you know, over the past few weeks um, uh, or months even, so many gaming games studio developers publishers, whatever, have come out and said, oh, you know, I reckon we're going to have a little look at NFTs. Suddenly, massive uproar. How could anyone think that there wasn't going to be massive backlash? And then they come back saying, oh, sorry, we didn't think about what you were going to say. Um, and, you know, you've come back and said that you hate this. Um, uh, so maybe... Um, we'll leave NFTs for now. Meanwhile, of course, all the workers are like, that's what I bloody said. I already <laughs> said this. Yep. You know, and we get all those extra tweets too. Um, but on this trend, you know, so maybe parent companies will say we're into NFTs and then some of the studios will be like, oh, no, we just so everyone knows we have nothing to do with that. Um and then other studios um, have started to say, we don't have anything to do with NFTs or blockchain and we never will. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. um, Which is just, a yeah, a good flag to plant in the ground on that one. Absolutely. For workers and for the community, you know, um, in Australia, some of our local studios have started to do that. Um, 
you know, especially while they're hiring or they have job applications up. Currently, everyone who's being employed in games is asking in their interview, so are NFTs on the horizon? How soon am I going to have to quit? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that's so, a good, yeah. good peek behind the veil. At least uh, developers are aware that it's um, it's just it's harmful for like I, I don't understand um, like the I I understand why people think they're valuable, but um, there yeah. is no value. Yeah. they add nothing to 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 games. And <laughs> we're aware of the environmental impacts of. Uh, you know, blockchain technology, you know, crypto being the most prominent one, but also NFTs. If you've got to yeah. add to the blockchain, you're, you're using a lot of electricity that otherwise didn't need to be used. Um, so they're just yeah. like, uh, there's almost a constant stream of scams with them, like new exactly. NFTs, new oh, NFTs man. being developed are always um, prone to scam. And because it's unregulated and there's they're so new, there's no way That's to get... It. Uh, justice if you are scammed it's yeah yeah mm. and so earlier this week maybe another piece of news it's not directly games related but is tech is there have been three new nft music platforms which have stolen thousands of musicians worth of music and they do that by bot scraping spotify so uh. if you're a musician listening and you have your music on Spotify, it is really likely that um, your music has been put on one of these NFT sites. And because NFTs in the blockchain aren't um, explicitly part of any DMCA ruling um, uh, and copyright ruling, most musicians, their only chance is to directly litigate. So... Um, rather than trying to be like, okay, there's this DMCA surface or something like that, they have to be like, stop now. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, so, so there's just... Yeah, yeah. And it's just bots. So it's pretty much guaranteed that anyone on Spotify... Um, the first one I found was very interesting. On the front page, they put Disney and Nintendo music. And I was oh like... Oh, my God. If any lawyer is about to curb stomp this platform, um, <laughs> it's the Disney or Nintendo lawyers. They'll, like, they'll tag t- they'll tag team on that one. They'll they'll say, yeah. "Hey, you want to go in on this, bro, and um, take down this NFT music streaming platform?" They'll destroy yeah. them. Um, Bloody lawyer collab. Yeah, Let's go. that's uh, like but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I I just want to say to the listeners, we do love video games. It's just we love them so much, we want them to get better. Um, so yes. that's why we're very critical of them. Um, NFTs, through and through, not good business, not good for anyone. Triple R. You're here with Dan and Maze for Bite Into It. Um, we've got a little bit of a review right now, uh, which I'm very excited about, and I'm sure Maze is dying to hear it because uh, over the last few months, um, I've been saying how I'm going to get on to Hades. Uh, I'm a very patient gamer. I was taking my time. Hades, <laughs> BAFTA award-winning, multi-game of the year award-winning, uh, roguelike, dungeon crawler, uh, Hades. Um, so, to, yeah. was it any good, Dan? Did uh, you enjoy it? 
I mean, usually I'm very uh, sceptical of Game of the Year awards and, uh, well, maybe not so much BAFTAs. I think I think this may be the first <laughs> video game to ever win a um, BAFTA. Uh, for those who don't know, Hades won a BAFTA for video game writing um, and I can see why um, because the writing is superb. Um, so I'll start off by saying that Hades is uh, a Greek mythology based roguelike dungeon crawler and i don't know about your opinion on greek mythology but it's pretty cool uh, i think it's pretty cool makes me uh, a massive nerd to say so i guess but um, i used to love it when i was a kid i used to watch hercules the live action show so yes, um, i remember that yeah xena i loved xena yeah yeah those two shows uh on a saturday night back to back oh brilliant um <laughs> so ever since then i've loved greek mythology and i think um Supergiant Games, who made Hades, uh, have done a really good job of interpreting that and making these gods h- human, essentially. So you ca- you interact, you play as Zagreus, the son of Hades, and you're trying to escape the underworld, basically. Um, and it's a there's a lot of um, father son tension. It's a game about. Uh, being a being a dad or being a son, I should say, um, and you're trying to reach Olympus uh, because you're stuck in Hades, the the underworld where your dad resides, uh, and these gods are trying to help you. And uh, as you go through the game, you're you can pick one of six weapons to help you try to reach uh, Olympus. Um, and there's a lot of variation in how those weapons can come about by through boons. They're called uh, a boon. A god will give yeah, you. Right. Um, a, a way to help you, so which will either modify your attacks or your movement or uh, modify some aspect of the game. Um, but before they offer you a boon, they you have a little chat with them beforehand, um, and that's where most of the story comes in. That's where this game won the BAFTA. In that, I can only imagine the tr- the dialogue trees that must have had to have been drawn out for this game to have been pulled off so well. Um, yeah, how many different stories did you get? What was it like each playthrough? So, I mean, for a roguelike, I imagine that means that you played through it a lot of times. Um, I have died a lot of times. I'm still yet to beat it, like, to get past the final hurdle. So I don't know the the, Unbelievable. the end of the story. Um, <laughs> but um, for those who may not know, roguelites are... You you play the game and you die and then your progress is reset after the end of each game. However, the story is persistent where ah. every every god you speak to, uh, they remember you from before, they know what they've said to you from the previous run. And it also, um, they've able to keep the, the theme of the game, like it's not just a random mechanic that you die and respawn. They've actually managed to keep that part of the game because you're from the underworld every time you die you just respawn back in the underworld where where you live right so, so it's actually you know diegetic yeah to the game that's it so and that makes sense that the story is persistent then because you are continuing yeah exactly ah. so that's a uh, problem that a lot of roguelikes had is that if there's any story involved it often breaks the immersion when you die and respawn because there's no way, no diegetic way to explain how people know you. Yeah. So it's a very organic writing 
way to um, keep the story moving forward. Um, So that's why this has won a BAFTA for video game writing because it's um, it it truly is like a a work of like the the writing's very good, but mechanical. Um, linking of how the stories progress because there's several characters all having separate stories, all interacting with each other as well. Um, how these stories progress, um, depending on how you do in the game, uh, up to that point, it, it's it's very well done. I I can see no flaws in the story. Wow, very seamless. Yes. What what is the writing like? Is there a lot of comedy? Do people speak like Greek gods? Yeah, they all have British accents, of course. Um, (laughs) So they're all very British and some are are erudite. Some are a little bit um, yeah, like Hades speaks very fast. Poseidon has a big booming voice. Aphrodite's (laughs) uh, very um, flirty and um, um, sexual and so all the characters... Um, yeah. you know, uh, are the characters that you would expect of the god of the sea or the god of the underworld. Um, Hades being the dad who you've got constant tension with also has a big booming voice and is very disparaging of your attempts to escape. Um, and I couldn't, uh, couldn't do a review without mentioning the soundtrack because we're all about uh, soundtracks here at Bite Into It uh, or the Couch Co-op, comma the Couch Co-op. Um, I think Darren Corb is possibly one of my favourite um, video game vid- uh, soundtrack creators or, you know, sound design, sound engineers, however. Yeah, well, he does it all, doesn't yeah, he? Like, yeah. you know, music, sound, coordinating voice, sometimes doing voice. Like, yeah, yeah I think it makes sense to just be, you know, maybe he's another virtuoso. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> As if I, as if we could be peers. Oh well, one day. don't discount yourself. You're you're working in the same industry. You're essentially peers. I mean, peers <laughs> separated by several oceans, but um, peers A few nonetheless. Oceans, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he uh, his soundtrack um, much more um, like a lot of uh, A, B, and C tracks. Um, you know, with rising yeah. tension in the fur the more tracks you listen to in the A, B, and C as a lot of video game soundtracks tend to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, he still remains my my favourite artist, my favourite video game composer. Um, because what's the, like, instrumentation like and stuff? What, what's the vibe of the music in this one? I think know, there's a lute involved. I think there's a lute involved. There's definitely the, oh. the ding, 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 ding of the, uh, of the lute. Um, so... <laughs> Court, like Greek Olympian court music, if you can imagine that. There's also yeah. uh, a sideline story um, with Orth- Orth- Orpheus, Orpheus, who is the court musician of Hades, and but his heart's ah. been broken uh, and he doesn't want to play music anymore. He doesn't see the point. So you've got to um, help him repair his heart and then eventually ah. he plays music. Um and so, yeah, that's like, uh, I hope that's not an analogue for Darren Corb's life where he's oh. uh, possibly heartbroken and he thought to put this in the game. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's also a cute story about that. And so even the music in the game is diegetic. They're able to keep, well, at, yeah. at some points, you know, when you're in the, um, 
in the uh, after you died and you revive in the grand hall of Hades, and Orpheus is there playing his harp and um, yeah, so a lot of lot of string instruments, a lot of drums. Um, it's very very compelling music. Um, and finally, the gameplay uh, just super tight, just uh, exactly what you want from a roguelike game. Um, a lot of uh, movement, a lot of dashing, a lot of shooting. There's uh, the six weapons, and they all have um, varied uh, play styles. And then as you progress through the levels in the game, those the weapon that you've chosen, because you can only choose one per run, so once you chose a weapon, that's what you're sticking with, but they, mm. they evolve and adapt consider, uh, with the options that the bot the gods give you as you go through the levels mm. um i highly recommend hades um two thumbs up if you're looking for a um game with a great story uh low time commitment because i know a lot of people are very time poor um it only takes or maybe half an hour from run to run um so if you want to you know a quick story uh, play a run and that's it um, it's, it's got everything covered really it's, uh, or you can go for extended sessions like I've been doing play for hours yeah. and hours and it's all um, very exciting stuff so, and lots of fresh stuff yeah because right? yeah so that's really cool the story keeps the game interesting while you're essentially losing because uh, every time you die <laughs> you know it's a lost run but it's, um, it never feels old um, losing a run it's like oh well there's so much to learn from what i'm from the way i'm playing that um i can only go up from here um yeah that is my review for hades highly recommend go out and grab it you're listening to a triple r podcast discover more podcasts from triple r exploring science technology food books social issues politics and more to listen hit up the triple r website or your favorite podcast platform uh, Maze, we have a guest with us. Yes, we have Frank Gaffer, um, who is a union organiser and activist, um, recently involved with No Police at Pride, as well as being involved with union work in higher education, has been helping a little bit uh, Games Workers Australia on the side too. But Frank's here to talk about a lighter part of how he spends his time streaming as lovely underscore unicorn on Twitch and playing motorsport sims. Frank's recently participated in an epic 24-hour race and is here to explain how all that happens. How you going, Frank? I'm good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I've got to say um, thank you for coming on the show after your marathon effort of uh, driving 24 hours. Is that exactly how it went down? You drove for 24 hours straight virtually or was there some stopping in the middle, perhaps a a pit stop? Yeah, so it's it's on a sim called iRacing, um, which is a sort of subscription sim racing service. And the way that it works is sort of like a relay. So if you think of a sprinting relay, um, there's usually sort of four to six drivers in each car, and then you just sort of alternate between the drivers over the 24-hour period. So I did about a little, I think a little under four hours of the driving all up, but you sort of stay up through the race to help out the drivers who are driving as well by 
uh, doing what's called spotting, which is sort of keeping an eye on the track to make sure you there's no like car crashes in front of them, so they avoid a crash. Um, so it's sort of like a really fun team effort. Um, That's yeah. really cool. I've seen in like rally driving, there's someone in the passenger seat who's like saying what's coming up. Is that the sort of thing that you would be doing as well? Is it like very rapid? Similar, similar. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it depends what sort of motorsport you're in, but the race that we did, it was, so it was a 24 hour Daytona 24 hour, which is, um, a famous sports car race in the U S. Um, and yeah, in effect, you just monitor the track to make sure that, um, the person in the car, um, doesn't come across any unexpected incidents so they stay in the race um yeah and and um we completed the 24 hours which is the main thing it's it's always the hardest part getting to the end of a 24-hour race so that so you said daytona is that anything like the daytona at every fish and chip shop around australia (laughs) um um is it um i don't know yeah Um, (laughs) so was your so you were with three other people in your team were they also streaming or um just you or just a couple of them so it was actually uh uh, six of us all up so um and one of the i think four of us are streamers and one of the um streamers is this um streamer called nitro um nitro racing on youtube and he streamed the whole 24 hours so um yeah so he did like the stream in free parts for the whole 24 hours um, whereas I just did about eight or nine hours of of the race before um, my little computer here pro- got a bit overheated and I had to uh, <laughs> give it a rest. <laughs> Amazing. And so where are all the people in your team based? Yeah, so um, it's actually really cool that most of us are based in Australia and, and a couple of us are based in New Zealand. So it was sort of like a... Um, Oceania sort of like Pacific effort um, in the race, which was pretty fun. Um, but it did make it a bit hard because um, some of us um, had to do night shifts. Like my my stints oh. were at night. So my two stints were started at 5.30 and then my final stint started at 11.30 at night. Jeez. So I was oh pretty much doing, doing the graveyard shift. Whereas um, the benefit of sim racing is that some teams can pick their team's pick their drivers based on time zones. So you have some teams where they just pick drivers for when it's daytime in their in their particular time zone. So everybody's in the teams racing at a good time for them. Whereas for us, we had to sort of pick who was going to make the sacrifice of um, <laughs> racing at night pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's pretty fun. I'm actually doing a 12-hour race this weekend again as well. So Oh, my God, um, addicted. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many other teams were involved? Um, there's a hell of a lot of teams in in the race that I'm trying to think. In the race that I was in, I think there was. I'm trying to remember the exact number. I think there was around forty-ish cars in the race that I was in. Oh, that's huge. But there was about eight or nine splits, so there were like eight or nine different races going on um, at the one time. Ah, and they were all full fields because of like server load or something or just too many cars on the virtual road um yeah i think it's mainly just about um making sure the game runs um okay for 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 i racing i guess you've got a 
sort of got to be enough game processing power to, to um, sort of simulate all the cars and all the sort of um, incidents and pit stops and deliveries people have as well, um, just to make sure it runs well. So there's, depending on the track you're on, there's a limit of how many cars can be on it, which is kind of like real life anyway. Um, yeah. Because in real life, there are, there are car limits um, for particular racetracks as uh, well. Uh, and you said that you're like looking out for car crashes up ahead. I mean, is there is that something that can take you out of the game if you get into a car? Or like, I don't know, if they simulate maybe cows walking onto the road, maybe you're going through <laughs> some nice pastures and a cow gets in there. Uh, is that something that can take you out of the game? Like what? Um, how in-depth is the like the mechanical aspect? Are you watching your coolant levels and all that in the game? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely. So I actually, an example of what happened to us, literally on, I think it's the first or the second lap of this 24-hour race, um, we got sideswiped by somebody and it damaged um, probably a steering arm. The game doesn't technically tell you what it is, but it damaged something in the steering of the car. And we had to spend, um, I think it ended up being 15, 20 minutes in the pits repairing the car at the start of the race. Whoa. And then we pretty much spent the rest of the 24 hours working our way back so we we were down to like 24th in class um at the end of that and then after the 24 hours we worked our way back up to i'm pretty sure eighth we finished eighth so we worked our way over the 24 hours sort of like just outlasting people a few people who were way way in front of us just crashed out um were persistent and patient and we got back into the top 10 um Tortoise wins over the head. Yes. Anything, anything can <laughs> happen remember... in a split second or 24 hours? What was that, sorry? Anything can happen in a split second or 24 hours. When you've got 24 hours to get ahead, you may as well use it, right? Yes. I definitely had one incident where I nearly got completely taken out um, oh. in the middle of the race, and that would have ended our day completely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I remember yeah. you on the on the stream, you know, I didn't catch all 24 hours, but I think I caught <laughs> maybe a couple of hours. Um, you were saying, oh, anything can happen in 24 hours, anything can happen. And that was really like, yeah, that's kind of an attitude that you had to bring with you. Yeah, I think um, especially on a sim, sometimes people are just really impatient, uh, more impatient than they would be in real life. And it's definitely a skill just to let it go or you know like sometimes a car will pass you and you're just like oh i know i'm faster than them but you've got what 10 hours to go in a race you should probably just let them go and you'll get them later it's like a real yeah. men- mindset you have to have to yeah. not sort of spin the car or crash out yeah. just trying to pass someone um how can people get involved with this game this sim this circuit uh like a competition is it a ranked thing how um how do people get involved in this yeah, so the the game that I was playing was called iRacing, and it's pretty it's on the professional side of sim racing. So it is like a subscription service, and it's all completely online. So if people are like entering into sim racing, I probably wouldn't recommend it as a first port of call. But what I'd recommend is potentially something like uh, there's a new Gran Turismo 7 game coming out um, in March, which I'm like going to buy and potentially stream. And cool. Gran Turismo 7, I think everybody in, sim, in in gaming world knows what that is. And um, if you have a PlayStation, I'd recommend that. But if not, um, yeah, something like th- there's a few um, sort of really good, like Assetto Corsa Competizione is also a very good game where you can sort of mod it um, in a way that it's good for 
being an entry level person and it's also cheap because iRacing is pretty expensive as a game, mm. I'll admit. So it is a commitment. Um, so you, you probably want to try one of those games first and actually know you like it before you invest the money in something like iRacing. Do you do you have a full peripheral setup? That being uh, like pedals and a steering wheel and a and a seat and three curved screens. What's what's uh <laughs> what's your buy into the um the car sim physicality that you set up i do have a full sim setup so i have a racing seat and um, pedals with a clutch and a steering wheel Um, and i don't have free screens but i do have like a big tv like a big flat screen tv and then like a monitor where i've got all my stream stuff on and my birthday was actually recently and i treated myself so now i have like a full handbrake and sort of h-pattern gear um gear sort of box as well so um yes so (laughs) i'm a bit i've um pretty much i've done car racing games since the original playstation so i remember remember my dad buying me i think it was like test drive four um and i remember he bought me this mad cat steering wheel this little (laughs) shitty mad oh sorry no that's fine (laughs) sorry i shouldn't swear on radio um yeah and um yeah i just pretty much have driven with a steering wheel ever since um, yeah, so it's a it's a lifelong obsession for me. Yeah, it sounds like you're actually just buying enough pieces to assemble a car in your living room. Um, if you're going to have like a gearbox and pedals, and <laughs> all you all you're really missing is the wheels now. Well, I think this seat is actually more comfortable than my car seat. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably spent more money on the that than the car seat. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Frank, and. Uh, telling us all about how you can get into sim racing and the wonderful world of sim racing. Um, Can you let us know uh, your Twitch handle once more? Yep. So it's uh, lovely underscore unicorn. Um, And so lovely is sort of like lovely. It's uh, like Aboriginal slang because I'm uh, well on a radiary. I'm a mob and it's sort of like Aboriginal slang. Yep. And unicorn because I'm also uh, queer. Just yeah. to explain it for people, so it's lovely <laughs> unicorn. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's me on on Twitch. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Th- we'll tweet that out as well. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. You are listening to Bite Into It, comma the Couch Co-op on Three Triple R. It is seven fifty PM, and we've just been. Um, listening to Showtime by Garode from the Valhalla prologue. And before that, we got to chat with Frank Gaffer about iRacing, motorsports, 24-hour Daytona races online, upcoming 12-hour race this Saturday on Twitch um, at lovely underscore unicorn. Um, what a cool bloody thing to do. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> those um, those twenty four hour streams becoming much more uh, prevalent and popular. Um, and they're like, if you tune in, you're always guaranteed to catch something exciting. I feel like every twenty four hour stream I click on, I see something that's hilarious or unexpected or, um, yeah, just like, uh, I guess like unique. Like, there's just a, a twenty four hours of unique moments. It's um. They're all quite. Yeah. They're all quite good. And I mean, have you seen some of those uncapped streams? Um, There's. 
Is that the one where donations will increase the time limit that the streamer must remain on? Yeah. Yeah. I think we've talked about it on the show before, but I saw someone um, had streamed for 31 days. Oh, my God. the only times that I logged in and took a peek, they were just sleeping. Yeah. And and there were still people in chat and and they would – so there's these um, kind of – idle, not idle, but passive games like words on stream yep. that the streamer can just put up and then chat can play it while they sleep or while they have a break usually, but sometimes for like six hours while they sleep. And I was just thoroughly unimpressed, I must <laughs> say. <laughs> I have um, I have seen the guy who streamed for 24 hours um, and allowed... Uh, he had a setup that allowed people to wake him up with a loud siren or with um, they could donate and uh, his message would be read out aloud. Um, And that backfired on him when someone uh, gave money to to say, Alexa, what is my current home address? And (gasps) um, while he was asleep, his uh, Alexa read out um, his address on stream. He, he essentially got doxxed by Alexa. No. Um, yes. Did anything happen? Uh, I think he woke up. Everyone thought it was funny. Um, the guys, uh, uh, I think he had a pretty good community around him, so no one was that's good. going to send the SWAT to him. But Yeah, because um, that's what happens. Yeah. People get swatted on stream. Yeah, that's it. But... One of the Elder Scrolls Online streamers that I watch um, has been swatted multiple times because he's very loudly queer um, Mm. and has been targeted and does these long streams. And, you know, you see the SWAT team live on stream and it's horrifying. Yeah. And I guess for the person calling it in, it's, you know, feels like some kind of control that they're able to exert over someone else. And it's just not a good, uh, not a good practice. Yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah. You could could say evil, (laughs) psychotic. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty evil. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got some opportunities to talk about before the show ends. Yeah. Um, the first one um, is that the AIDC MELB um, has extended their deadline for a program that they're launching called the Doc Lab Interact Program. Um, where uh, documentary makers can unlock a world of interactive storytelling possibilities. Um, So you can apply for that one at aidc.com.au and that's uh, presented by FilmVic as well. So that one sounds pretty cool. I know that FilmVic have been um, helping documentary makers to make like games um, and VR projects all with their documentaries yeah it seems um, like these uh government agencies and grants and things are actually more and more these days being av- like becoming available for um video game developers so it's, yeah, it's good to see and i think this is a really cool opportunity to collaborate with a documentary maker or a researcher or someone like that mm. um to create just something whether it's game shaped or or something else some co- kind of cool thing yeah um absolutely 
Yeah, and um, then one other opportunity, Licorice Studio in Melbourne, a great little digital agency, is looking for a new technical director. Must be keen on Python and DevOps. That's much of us. Um, and you can find that one on LinkedIn. So just a little shout out for um, some community people that we like. Mm, absolutely. Um, I think we've we've got time to say our thank yous now. So um, thanks so much to uh, Elizabeth McCarthy and podcaster Matthew Hall. Um, thanks so much to our guest Frank Gaffer for coming on to talk about uh, 24 hours of digital racing. Um, thanks, Mays, for being my partner in crime on tonight's episode. And thank you, Dan, for being ah, my partner in crime. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> coming up next, we have the International Pop Underground, as always, with Anthony Carew. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts. 